You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Welcome to the first official episode of the Over a Drink podcast. I had my my episode where I talked with Jess last week, but this is the first one that we're going to do where I'm actually talking with somebody that you guys care to listen to. We're drinking tonight, me and my special guest, Angel's Envy, uh, a little bourbon that is, it's good. I like it. I'm not a big bourbon drinker all the time, but for this occasion, our guest liked bourbon. I'm keeping it secret because I want to be able to intro him well. This guy, he is, uh, he's the, wow, I don't know how to describe him without like getting teary. He is such a role model to me. I look up to him in such a way. He's one of the hardest workers that I know uh, by far. He loves his family so well. He's so strong and kind. And somehow he doesn't sleep, but does everything. Uh, His name's Mark Ray. He is on staff at Red Rocks Church. He's my, my wife's coworker. And he's like family, him and his family, his kids, his wife, they are their family to me and to my wife, and I'm honored to have him across the table from me here tonight. And so I want to give him a chance to introduce himself. And one thing I love about this is that when someone introduces themselves, they're able to define themselves in the way that they want to be defined, not in the way that the world says that they are and the labels that like have been placed onto them. So Mark, thank you for for coming here tonight, for sitting at my table, for being the first one for drinking my whiskey. Uh, I'm honored that you're drinking my whiskey. Me too. <laughs> uh, so, so define, not define, that's the wrong word. Introduce yourself, um, describe yourself. When someone says, Mark Ray, who are you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is it's pretty awesome. First podcast I've done, I think, ever. So that surprises me, honestly, with <laughs> who you are. Come on. I think actually, no, I did one a while ago um, for a church podcast. It was pretty fun. So you were a liar, we're learning well, right off was, the bat. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it got published, actually. I'm not sure. Maybe it did. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, is that a quick backstory on myself and my family? Um, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Not far, actually, from your wife. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time on the bolt? Yep. yep. Eating tater tot hot dish? And a lot of tater tots. <laughs> um, a lot of cheese curds. Um, oh, gosh. Skull. Yeah. Grew up there. Moved to Colorado. Well, first of all, so my, my parents uh, grew up grew up in a Christian church. I, therefore, also grew up in a Christian church. Okay. Christian upbringing. Uh, me and my two siblings. Um, my dad was a volunteer worship pastor for like 20 30 years. Are you musical? I used to be How until I started working at Red Rocks. And so it just like, went oh, away? I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> what did you play? So I played, ended up playing five instruments. Um, oh, I'm but, just kind of musical. <laughs> well, so my dad was a worship pastor, and he played keys mostly from the stage and okay. led worship. And at some point, he's like, hey, you want to learn how to play like drums and bass and guitar and keyboard and all this stuff? And so I'm like, sure. I was like, you know, this junior high kid. You know, 6'2", 150 pounds, just skinny Chick as well. magnet. Chick magnet yeah. to the max. Um, so anyway, yeah, I grew, uh, grew up in a Christian church playing live music. 
that's kind of where I got my love for music and production and audio and stuff was kind of back in my home. So you do production at Red Rocks? I do production at Red Rocks, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I um, moved out to Colorado in 2005, went to Colorado Christian University for four years, and then pretty much right away, once I started attending CCU, I started volunteering at uh, Red Rocks Church. The church opened up in January of 2005, and then I started school, you know, six months later or so in August, um, and started attending and serving almost immediately. And they needed mm. some help in the production booth. And so I was like, I could push a few faders, you know, make things try to sound. Pro presenter? I know. Yeah, pro presenter, which didn't exist Wasn't back even a then. thing, though. No, it wasn't. PowerPoint it was, slides? It was, it was I can PowerPoint. do that. PowerPoint. <laughs> 100%. It was PowerPoint. So anyway, um, church grew and grew and um, volunteered all throughout college. And then at some point, a couple of years later, they were like, hey, do you want to come work for us? I was like, absolutely, I do. And so since then. Um, Had you met your wife yet? Not uh, yes, yes, I had. Um, so yeah, I've been, well, I've been on staff for now 11 years, but yeah, about a year before I got hired on, um, Renee and I met through college and, um, she had also been attending Red Rocks, but we met at CCU. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, we kind of got hired on and church grew and grew and from there and been there for 11 years now, which has been You're awesome. You're an OG. OG. You're, you've been at all the campuses, right? I've, I've helped... Most campuses in some way, yes. Wow, yep. that's that's really cool. That's so. You're you're married to Renee. Married to Renee, and you have two kids. Two kids, Allison and Owen. Ballerina uh, Allison. Ballerina Allison. <laughs> She's now five. She loves everything ballerina and Frozen and butterflies and unicorns and she just started riding her bike, which is awesome. So we're excited about that too. She's a very cautious child, and so like anything that has to do with danger or you, where you could get hurt, yeah, she's not about that. Yeah, she <laughs> wasn't about me for about until like three weeks ago when right. she when she was. You're big and you're scary, and you have a beard. <laughs> don't look at me. Yeah, don't look at um, me. So I I just can't emphasize how much I love Mark and his family. It just that's what I want to keep going back to, but y'all don't want to hear about that anymore. And so I I do want to to talk a little bit about this podcast and what the heart behind it is. And I, I know that just from knowing you, like the pain and that that we've talked about, and I know that you've like experienced that, and I know that it's something that you're walking through daily. And this podcast was started out of the idea of normal men. Mark, Mark's not a normal guy, but from the outside, he would, he's not some star athlete. He's not a movie star. He's, he's a dad and a husband and, but he experiences pain. And I wanted to give these men, I wanted to give Mark a chance to, to talk about it. I wanted to give Mark an, an opportunity to share his story because it needs to be heard and it's important. And there's men out there, matter of factly, that I that need to hear it. Uh, I'm confident in that. And honestly, if one person hears this tonight, uh, it's an it's eight thirty, it's eight fifty here in Denver right now while we're recording this podcast. I promise we're not day drinking. <laughs> um, but if one person hears it and says, "Hey, I, I took something from that," then this podcast accomplished its mission. And so, so Mark. 
would you share with me your testimony? And and again, I want to leave this up to, we talked a little bit about this before we started pressing record. Um, there's n- no testimony for anyone who's listening to this that is too small or too big. Like your testimony, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, my testimony is, it's not important. It's nothing crazy that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, that's just not true. And so if anyone's ever told you that, A, I rebuke that, but B, share it because there is somebody out there who needs to hear it and the enemy is telling you that they don't. Mm -hmm. And so, Mark, when you're talking tonight, I just, you include what you you feel is relevant. You don't what you don't. And we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit is just going to do his thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the floor is yours. I'm going to try my hardest not to interject I'll ask questions as they come because I have them. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, it's funny you said that because, like, growing up, you know, I was kind of this quote-unquote picture-perfect Christian, mm-hmm. like, family. Like, we had we had enough money to, you know, not miss any meals. We had good, you know, great childhoods. Parents were awesome. Um and so, like, I thought that for a long time. Like, my testimony, there's like nothing crazy happened. Um, there was nothing that was like, you know, it wasn't the drugs, it wasn't alcohol. I didn't really do any of that. Um, I didn't have my first drink until I was 21. Good for you. <laughs> had Applebee's. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Half price appetizers. Just, dude, it was like, I grew up on half price appetizers, <laughs> mozzarella sticks, and boneless wings. Yeah. It was oh. like two for 20. So, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about alcohol. Like, I was just, Whatever, fresh meat, if you will. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's how I thought my story was too. Um, and then, you know, crap at the fan a couple of years ago with my family. Um, and I'm, I'm by no means a neurologist, a doctor, a therapist. Uh, like you said, I'm just a normal dude that got a crappy hand dealt to, to him um, the last couple of years. So... I'll try not to cry too much. Uh, that's kind of my MO lately. No. That's the thing, though. And, like, I love that you say that. Is like, if y'all know me personally, I cry at Disney movies. My <laughs> wife and I make bets when we walk into before pre-COVID PC. Uh, mm-hmm. We walk PC. PC. And she would say, odds you, you cry at this animated Disney movie. And I lost every single time. Yeah. So, dude, crying is, shoot, come on. A real man cries. and uh, Or it doesn't even, it doesn't have to be crying, but, like, that's one thing I want to push back on in this mission of what we're working on is like, dude, Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. The, sh- <laughs> the shortest verse in the Bible. Best, best the shortest verse. If you ever need to memorize scripture, <laughs> Jesus wept. Yeah. Boom. But like, he is the picture of what we want as we're supposed to, we're called to walk like he did. And so we're looking at like what the world calls the man to be and what a word, what the word calls the man to be. And you crying is, you are literally imitating Jesus. So please cry. I got, we'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get you some tissues. You can cry on my shoulder. We'll come, I'll come I plan on that. Yeah. We'll cuddle later. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. So Renan and I have been married for 10 years now. She celebrated 10 years. Congratulations. Last week. Um, wow. Went to Always Steakhouse. You What'd got, you get? I get the steak. I mean, duh, but like, what cut? Filet. My wife gets the salmon, and okay. do the salmon. I was like, I should, I should have got the salmon. It was amazing. <laughs> well, Elways, if you want to sponsor yep. us, 
uh, over a drink podcast at gmail.com. Same with Angels Envy. Anybody who wants to sponsor this podcast by sending us drinks, <laughs> we will drink them. That's right. Coffee included. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, great marriage, um, 10 years strong. Never been better. And we had a daughter, Allie, five years ago, Allison, who was just, just took my breath away from day one. She's just amazing in every sense of the word. Um, she had my heart and we just, we lived life with her. We, we traveled, we visited family, we did all these things. Um, and there was like, there's nothing like, besides like being a, you know, new dad, which I was trying to figure out how to do that first of all, which is scary. Um, there's nothing that was like, difficult besides like just being sleep deprived and trying to figure out how to you know raise a little girl um and and then you know if you figure it out as time goes on anyway so then um when she was three um renee had our second kid owen um in august of 2019 and it, it was great, like a great pregnancy. I mean, you know, as far as pregnancy can go, I guess. We do, uh, we do a lot in those that pregnancy. Yeah, right. I did, I did absolutely jack squat <laughs> with what I did. <laughs> she did all the work. Um, shout out to pregnant women. My shout wife out. is. Shout out. What is she, 26 weeks now? Yeah. And she is a superstar. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're good. So, um, yeah, anyway, normal-ish, you know, pregnancy, normal-ish delivery. Um, and everything was great for eight weeks or so. Um, Allie was three and like super thrilled to have a baby brother, but also kind of got dethroned at the same time of her, you know, princesshood. Um, and then I remember October 1st, 2019, someone was about eight weeks old. Um, I was at church and Renee texted me. She's like, I think Owen's having seizures. I was like, seizures? What? That's weird. Okay, so... Um, I text the staff. I'm like, hey guys, you know, pray for me. I'm, I gotta, I gotta head home. There's some something that's happening at, with Owen. Um, at the time, my wife was on maternity leave, so she had um, both kids. So I went home, and um, she kind of explained to me like what she saw earlier today. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Let's just keep an eye on him. And then like 10 p.m. came, and I saw him have like his first like convulsing seizure. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is not good. And so um, Renee called one of our best friends and she came over to sit in the house while Allie was sleeping. We took Owen to the ER um, and we had like, we're like, what is happening to our kid? This is so bizarre. So they did a bunch of tests. Um, you know, I'm not sure, what, I'm, it was two years ago, I'm not sure what it was, all the tests they did right away. Um, but we stayed up throughout the night in the ER, and then they finally told us to go from our local hospital close by to Children's Hospital in Aurora, yeah. um, where they're kind of more specialized in this kind of thing. And so we got admitted like at 4 a.m., um, so October 2nd, I think it was. And um, they didn't really tell us tons. They said like these, like this. Spinal tap looks good. CT scan looks, you know, whatever, good. There's no, like, tumors they can see right away that are causing these seizures to happen. Um, and so then, I don't know what time it was, in the morning at some point, they hooked him up to, hooked him up to what's called an EEG, 
And what it is is it's a bunch of little leads that are kind of like stuck to your head. Like I think there's 26 of them. They're wow. stuck to your head, then they're wrapped around with gauze, um, and they measure brain waves. They measure what's going on in the in your brain. Um, he's eight weeks old. He was eight weeks old, so like brand new baby. Um, and so we're kind of we're freaking out at yeah. this point. Um, and hooked up to an EEG, and you can Google it later, but basically it's a bunch of lines on a graph, kind of going up and down, you know, moving in sync with each other. And then when when if someone does have a seizure, an episode of some sort, um, the lines go like chaotic, like crazy. And then someone who's trained in reading an EEG can be like, okay, this is what this is, this is what this is. To a normal person, we cannot read EEGs. It looks like a bunch of just scribbled lines. I mean, speak for yourself. I'm fluent in I, EEGs. I know you are. <laughs> um, you can try to read them, but like, there's no, you can't tell what they are um, or what they mean, I should say. So anyway, um, the next morning comes, doctors come and go and nurses come and go, and they tell us that our son has epilepsy. Um, and we were rocked. We're like, what? Like, this is, like, how? Like, what? How'd this happen? We're, we're healthy. Like, Renee, Renee's healthy. I'm healthy. Our kids are healthy. Our parents are healthy on both sides. Like, there's there's no history of epilepsy on either side. And there was no warning? Like, they didn't tell you at any of your there's no warning doctor's pre- appointments? No, exactly. Here. There was no, nothing like pre-birth yeah. that would say, hey, look out for this. Or like this is missing in you know this test or yeah. whatever, um, like they can do blood tests and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if they could have told us. I don't think we did the blood te- blood tests, but I don't think they could have told us that he would have had this like prenatal. Um, so anyway, we're I mean we're freaking out. We're like, what do we do? And so they'd say like, let's start him on this drug. Um, it'll you know it, it's a good drug. It's a good frontline medicine for this thing. Um, it should, you know, should help you guys out. We're like, great, whatever. <laughs> so we go home a couple days later, um, and we're, you know, we're trying to figure out life with when kids who's having seizures. Um, and our daughter, still, she was three at the time, no idea what's going on. So we're trying to figure out how to give him medicine. And, you know, morning and night, it's every 12 hours or so, we're supposed to give him these medicines. Um so still to this day. Is it a shot? Um, not at first. So, I, and I'll get to that in a bit, a bit. But so it's just oral medicine. This one was liquid. Um, you kind of draw it up in a little syringe and they give it in orally. And some morning and night, and then one one like a, a week later after he left the hospital, this didn't really have to do much with his epilepsy, but it's still part of the story. So a week later, we're you know giving him his medicine, and not still not really knowing how to give medicine to an eight-week-old, nine-week-old at this time. Um, we give him, like, little squirts of, you know, it's, at this point, it's like, you know, half milliliter. It's really small amount of liquid. Um, he starts choking. And typically, you know, kids can um, cough it up or clear their own pathways or whatever, but he's eight weeks old. He couldn't quite do that. So we're patting his back. We're, you know, blowing on his face. You know, whatever we can think to do to get him to, like, clear his airways. And he wasn't. Um, and so we're freaking out. Allie's around us. I, I call 911, or Renee does. I can't remember who, which one of us did. I think Renee did, actually. And I'm, like, doing whatever I can to, to have him come to. And it, it felt like 30 seconds later, it could have been a couple minutes, in comes the EMT. 
Um, and like, hey, my mind kind of went blank at the moment. I'm like, just take him. Like, whatever you got to do, like, clear his past, you know, clear his throat. He's choking on medicine. Um, and he just, he inhaled it. And so, um, I can't remember what the term is off the top of my head, where you inhale liquid. I can't, it's, coming, it's not coming to me. Anyway, um, so he, he inhaled it and wasn't breathing for a couple minutes at least. And then the EMT came, and I'm not sure if they did something or we did something, but like he was fine. They, they, we went into the ambulance. We drove to the cl- closest hospital, um, checked him out. Like he was, he was fine. He just had like, okay, aspirated. That's what it was called. I, I was living aspirated, aspirated, my, aspirated, yeah. in such a different <laughs> vein. Our puppy Hoagie aspirated his food and gave himself pneumonia, and mm-hmm. I, that's the only reason why I know that yep. word, aspirated. Aspirated, yeah. So anyway, we yeah we used that term a couple of years ago when it happened, but um, so anyway, he aspirated and he, he ended up being fine. They did like you know X-ray in his lungs and all that stuff. He was fine, but also just traumatic. I can't. Was, I mean, at one point, I, I was holding him and he was like turning blue, and I thought he was gone. Like I thought that was it. I was like, this can't be. It. This got him. This got me more in my, to my kid's life than just eight weeks. Um, and that doesn't even have to do with epilepsy. That's just aspirating medicine. <laughs> That's like just, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, that was just another kind of like a speed bump in our in our journey. And then we we go to our follow up appointment. I think it was two weeks later um, after we got discharged from the hospital from his epilepsy diagnosis. And they wanted to put him back on an EEG test again, just because see what see how things are going with the two weeks of medication so far. Um, and so it was outpatient. It was supposed to be outpatient. It was you know like maybe a couple hours. Let's hook him up, see what see what's going on in his brain. Um, and I felt like within minutes, a doctor came in um, and said he has something called infantile spasms, and it is. Not good. Um, infantile spasms is, for those of you who don't know, which most of you probably don't because it's pretty rare, it is the most catastrophic form of epilepsy. Um, if not treated quickly and or not diagnosed quickly and treated quickly, it can be catastrophic. Um, even if it is treated quickly, it, it still might not end up well. And so luckily we cut it quickly. Um, but anyway, so infantile spasms is kind of categorized as quick jerky movements and kind of like contraction movements, like arms coming together to your chest, head crunched down, sometimes legs flail up a little bit and every kid's different. And it's not, it's not the same for every single kid. It could be like eye rolls up and to the left, eyes to the right, or staring down for a second, quick jerky movements. So Owen didn't have the typical like full body spasm convulsion convulsion yeah and typically they come in clusters they're like i don't know a couple every five seconds i remember you saying something along the lines of like thunderstorms in the brain or Mm -hmm. lightning strikes in the brain yeah so there's so the the brain waves that can cause spasms is called hypsarrhythmia we call it hips for short because hypsarrhythmia is sucks to say sucks to say um so we call it hips for short, and that is a catastrophic brainwave, basically, that causes these, these spasms. Spasms can be caused other ways, too, not with, like, there can be no hips present and still spasms happen. But the, the fact that hips arrhythmia was still there 
or was there was like a shot to the heart. We were like, so she came in and kind of told us the next steps. The doctor, after we, she gave us this diagnosis and the next steps was called, um, it was a steroid called ACTH and it was injecting um, steroid into to my son's leg twice, I think it was twice a day for a month straight. Wow. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was twice a day. I can't remember now off the top of my head. Regardless, it was steroid injections into my, um, ten, at that point, 10-week-old kid's legs. And steroids can make you agitated. They can make you, you know, as, as a recipient, they can make you agitated. They, you know, you gain weight quickly. He gained like five, 10 pounds within a month. Um, and I mean, we were, we were distraught at the time. Like, this is like, this can't be real life. This cannot be happening to us. Like we're healthy people. What is going on? Um, and it was, you know, we told ourselves we can do anything for a month. We can do steroids for a month. We can inject as hard as it was. Um, and we still have PTSD from it. We can do anything for a month. And so we're like, well, let's just power through. And it was, it was terrible. Um, my wife took a brunt of it because she was home more. I was, you know, working or whatever. Um, and she was just, for some reason, she could just do it better. She had like that knack, that mama's touch, you know. Um, and she could do it. And so I think she took the brunt of it, of injecting Owen um, twice daily in order to get rid of these spasms, get rid of the hips rhythmia. Um, because what, if, what happens long term, if this doesn't go away and not treated quickly, is just delays of development, delays of brain development, physical development throughout life. And so if it's caught quickly and treated quickly and everything's done with, like, great, you can you can live a pretty normal life. Um, if not, things get really tricky, really difficult, really stressful. Um, and so we went through the whole ACTH, you know, treatment, treatment plan from home. Um, and we had to go in for like weekly blood draws and liver checks and um, well, blood pressure checks, like to our pediatrician. So it was just like every other day we were in the hospital. Constant like, poking const- and prodding. Constant poking and prodding. To how, our- how was that as seeing your baby <laughs> just being devastating? Absolutely, like traumatizing is. We're, we've been living through this past two years of trauma, um, and that was kind of the start of it, honestly. Obviously, day one was epilepsy, epilepsy diagnosis was terrible, um, but that month was just, it was hell. And they don't sleep. They're agitated. They whine all the time. You don't sleep, so you're agitated all the time with you know everyone around you, your spouse, your daughter, who doesn't know what the heck's going on people at work, your family, like everybody. Um, and it was just yeah, a month of hell, basically. Um, like, like a high level of hell. And so we got through that by the grace of God. Um, and I, th- I think, if I remember the story right, um, I think it got rid of the spasms, you know, for a short time. Um, and then we kind of were kind of like on maintenance drugs just to like keep them away kind of thing. And then I think... Three months later, they I think they came back, um, and and they were a little more they were they they presented differently though they were like more like the eye roll stuff more like kind of weird look like the, like it shouldn't happen 
to a to a neurotypical kid. Yeah, the way that they're like presented on a Hollywood show of the, the eye roll and the, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, it was just it was just different. And so we took some videos for a neurologist in Denver, and she was like, "Yeah, you should probably come back in and look at more options for treatment." Um, so we did. We went back in another EEG, which you know at this point we've already done. I don't know, half a dozen EEGs throughout his life, just to double check stuff, make sure stuff was good. We've lived in and out of the hospital um, most of the past two years. And with that, once after the ACTH is done, um, it was time to like start thinking about therapies. And we can go to that too later if you want. But it was basically, they were like, he needs, he's already behind developmentally. He's got global delays. He's not caught up to a neurotypical kid. So we need to start thinking about therapies, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, vision therapy. He had some eyesight issues now because of, we think, because of these spasms and epilepsy. Um, the condition is called CVI, cortical vision impairment. And so now we're, we're now, and now it's almost COVID time. It's where we're like, um, this is, so now we're like trying to be all these therapists virtually. <laughs> And going to the hospitals all the time, still trying to do our jobs. We have Allie. Like, there's just a whole different level of stress and, like, workload that we never expected to be part of our life. Um, and so, anyway, the, yeah, spasms came back, and we were, again, just living in trauma and, like, wondering, like, what, like what's going on? We, have, we don't know. And so we ended up getting a second opinion um, through UCLA their neurology, pediatric neurology department. Um, and so we did a consult out there um, last December and, you know, hooked him up, did an EEG, did an MRI, did a PET scan, all this stuff. Um, and they said they were suggesting some things and then we totally didn't, didn't agree. So kind of going back and forth a little bit. And then um, nothing really came to that, but we kind of like kept UCLA on the hook just in case we needed to go out there. They just, we felt like they had a good specialty of this, of infantile spasms. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty well-known neurologist out there um, that kind of just specializes and knows this and been doing it for, you know, X amount of years. Um, and then at one point we did another EEG in Denver and um, our neurologist here in Denver th- saw another seizure type. A um, different seizure different, type. different seizure type called tonic seizures. Um, and... And if I can back up for one second, so the UCLA neurologist suggested back in December that we do something called a corpus callosotomy surgery. And what it is is basically, so you have, you know, two hemispheres of the brain and down kind of at the lower portion in the middle is what's called the corpus callosum. And that's kind of like a main highway, if you will, that connects the left and right hemisphere. Not the only one, but um, that's like the, one of the main ones. Um, and so his suggestion was to do brain surgery and to kind of to kind of more or less cut it so that the left and right aren't talking to each other anymore. So the doctor is wanting you to have brain surgery mm-hmm. on your 18 month at this point. Oh yeah, 18 month ish. 18 yeah. month old son mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. What are your when he said that when he said, yeah, Mark, we need to have open brain surgery on your infant well not an infant on your toddler at this point mm-hmm. our toddler's 18 months i feel like i think i think two and a half at what point do we stop talking about months but anyways 24 it's, <laughs> it, uh, 24 months so he's he's 18 months 
what are your thoughts? What, like, what are you thinking? And like, like, how is, how are you and Renee communicating in this? So it's interesting because like when you get this kind of diagnosis and you don't really think of this until you're actually in it, but you research a lot. Like you, you talk to Google, you talk to forums, you join all these groups on Facebook, you follow all these people on social media, Instagram, whatever. Um, And so we kind of knew that this might've been a possibility. Um, And the idea behind the surgery was going to be like, hopefully to stop the spasms from jumping from one side to the other and just wreaking havoc, wreaking havoc everywhere. And kind of hopefully pinpoint like over time, okay, actually the spasms or epilepsy, seizures, tonics, whatever are coming from a certain part of say the left or right hemisphere. That was kind of the goal of that. Um, But yeah, when we were, when we were talking about it, we were like, you gotta be kidding me. But we've also heard of the stories of like, this could be, this could be a game changer. It could be a home run. Um, and so we knew going into it, there was, there was a good chance that something was going to work. Um, and so we had told our Denver, Denver team that same story after he first brought it up and, they were not super stoked in that idea, which, rightfully so. Like you can't once you cut, you can't put it back together. It's it's cut, and so you want to try to exhaust all resources before you do that. Um, and we felt like we had. Um, and with talking to a bunch of other people, like the long story is, the short story, of the long story basically is that the longer people wait to do that surgery, but then do it, it doesn't end up as good in the long run. Again, there's a bunch of you know, theories back and forth, statistics, percentages. Yeah. So we, we, again, we had no idea um, and until we did another EEG in Denver and our Denver team was like, we should, we should do the surgery. And so they finally agreed with UCLA to do the surgery. We felt like for us, as much hell it was going to be to travel to UCLA, we felt like their team had just seen more of these cases, was more equipped, um, had, you know, had more of a success rate with these kind of surgeries. So we'd be, and Denver team is fully capable of doing it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we just felt like for us, if we didn't go to what we thought was the best of the best, we would have kicked ourselves down the future. Yeah, And reps are reps. I feel like, like yeah. regardless of how good you are, if you've got a lot more reps at something, you've got more experience totally. just by logic. So. And, that's, and that's kind of what we thought too. We're like, Let's go with what we think is the best of the best. Yeah. And so, and Denver team got that. And so we went to to UCLA and um, had the surgery done. And it was, we were in the hospital, I think, only for only for like maybe 10 days, wow. which is insane. Um, How much did you sleep in those 10 days? Oh, not much at all. Um, we went out a couple of days earlier because it was during COVID. And so we had to get a COVID test to make sure he was in the clear to get him admitted to the hospital. Um, and then... The, I mean, the day of surgery was just, it was, there's no adequate word to describe what we were feeling that day. We were, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. Like, this isn't actually happening. Our son, our son's head isn't open right now. Like, there's, this can't be true. How long was the surgery? Uh, seven hours. Um, and so we're, we're in the waiting room, like, like, not eating, not drinking. We're just, like, beside ourselves. We didn't, like, move really. Um, we have been told by others to you know, get up and take a walk here and there. And so I did at one point, I think I took a bird scooter around Westwood. 
I love bird scooters. It's so much fun for me. And like, that's my escape, especially in LA. Um, we can kind of scooter everywhere. Yeah. And so I like, I took a scooter out, put my headphones in or my, um, and played worship music. And like, I prayed, I prayed so hard and I yelled at God. It's crazy. It's crazy how you can yell and pray at the same time, but it's possible. Mm. It's very possible to do the same, do those two things at the same time. But I was like, God, heal my son. If if this, I mean, if this doesn't work, who knows what's going to happen? This is kind of like our hail mary. This is our our last shot at at trying to heal our son from this epilepsy, from infantile spasms, from these tonics seizures that are happening. Um, and so I just did that for I don't know how long it was, half hour, hour. Um, I just listened to worship music, full blast. I just cruised around until I was tired of it. Or the bird scooter money was running out. Went back to the hospital and um, then I took, told my wife to go take a walk. I'm like, you got to, you got to get out of here. Go take a walk. Go down to wherever. Go to the, the neighborhoods and just do your thing. So she did too. Um, and I think it was good for her to get out as well. Anyway, long story short, um, surgery was was done and um, went up to the PICU afterwards. He was kind of coming to, had a whole you know head bandage on. Um, we couldn't see the 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 stitches, if you will, right away on his head because he had a wrap on. And we're in the PICU for one night, and then. Um, then they moved them to the, what's called the EMU, the Epilepsy Monitoring Unit, um, just down the hall. And then we stayed there for a week or so, um, checking you know fluid levels, uh, fluid intake, uh, making sure that the the stitches were good. You know, all there's added some medications, took away some medications, um, just to make sure he was stable before like mostly with feeding before they let us go and say, yeah, he's okay though. You know, feed on his own. We don't need him on an IV, a central line. Um, and so that was just, that was an insane week that we've never thought we'd ever experience. Um, but like the amount of outpouring love and support we got through that week was just insurmountable. We mm-hmm. posted on social media about, we call it Owen Day. So we had, yeah. people, we had people like, Wear purple and post pictures and like, hey, praying for you guys. Here's our support, you know, praying for Owen, praying for you guys. And I mean, it blew up, it broke the internet. Like, it, it truly, it, it went to like thousands, like hundreds of thousands of people, I feel like, across wow. the world. But we were getting like messages from people in the Netherlands, never met before, South Africa, um, text messages, DMs, you know, you name it. Yeah. Um, and just cool stories. Um, that we'll, you know, and we'll never hear all of them, obviously. I never get to thank everyone individually. Um, but it was really cool, and like that kind of kept us going that's, throughout that's, that full day that's, of surgery. Yeah, that I can't... I have a couple of questions that yeah. come to mind. But the first is, so in that moment, I'm sure you had people offering you food and mm-hmm. meal trains and sending you money for coffee or whatever i like mm-hmm. i can't even imagine i can't fathom the amount of just from hearing your stories like what you just said um but what is a way that when someone is in a season of crisis or a season of 
trauma or this holy crap what's going on moment uh what's actually been helpful that people have offered you to mm. like what what help because i know that the heart behind i think jess and i have struggled with this and we always talk about where it's like yeah but if i was in that situation i don't know if i'd want someone just showing up to my house mm-hmm. but i'm introverted and so i'm like i want my space i need to process by myself right please don't show up to my house yeah but that's different for everybody and so like for you what would you say to someone who's wanting to reach out to the rays in that moment mm-hmm. like what would be or to reach out to a what someone's friend who is going through i think everyone has their own traumas like no one's going to have the unique experience that you had but there are similar people who have children who are in holy crap moments right what would you what would be how would you speak into that how would uh what was helpful to you mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, in, I mean, in the hospital, in the moment, obviously, like all the gift cards were just such a blessing. Um, DoorDash's, you know, Starbucks, whatever. That was, and that's pretty much all you can do. Well, obviously, we're a thousand miles away in California. Um, but I guess, like, that's a great question. In the moment, it's it's tough because, like you said, it's it's different for everybody. And I agree. Like, if if not everybody accepts help. The, the same way or like can ask for help so for me and Renee it's it's kind of more like we don't we're not going to ask for help unless it's like immediate like hey we're going to the ER can you come over kind of thing like that's that's the kind of help we're going to ask for yeah. um, the essential the, the essential like in the moment yeah like dire help yeah um, which not not to say this situation isn't dire but like there's an ep- ebbs and flows of like you know good days and bad days um I guess tangible ways that people can help um, or ways to be seen, I guess, as well. Um, So I guess after we got back, one friend brought us homemade soup like once a week, like two months afterwards, Um, which was awesome because we can heat it up. We can eat it whenever we want and it's just there. Um, Don't think about cooking. Like it's just, it's there. It's ready to go. Um, which when you're in this kind of season of trauma, you don't want to be thinking about much else besides what you, what you're like, you're focused on, or we should be focusing on like your family, your, your son, your, your spouse, your other kid. If you have one, you know, in this situation, Allie, um, you don't want to be focusing on much besides like what you're supposed to be focusing on. And so cooking, cleaning, um, that kind of stuff is all like tangible needs that like we we've we've tried to our best to accept help with it. We're not the best at it, um, but like our friends, we have a good, good, good close group of friends that um, have been walking through this journey with us. And every once in a while, they'll just they'll like say, "Hey, we're coming over with food," or "Hey, what are you guys doing for, for dinner tonight? We're going to bring you X Y Z." Here's a coffee in the morning, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, and not to say like, we, that's like, we need that all the time, but that just shows us that like, we're not forgotten. Hmm. Like we're, we're seen. Um, people don't forget about us. Even though, even though people say like, you know, we're praying for you all the time or this and that, we think about you all the time, which is great to hear also. Um, 
those kind of things are kind of like a good tangible things that, that people have done. People have offered to um, pick up stuff for us at Costco. Like, hey, we're going. Like, what can I get for you? Like, any baby wipes? Sure, I'll get you some baby wipes, you know, yeah. um, or food from Costco. Um, or offering like kind of silly mundane activities like raking leaves or picking up, you know, around the house, outside, um, like doing some yard work. If people like to yard work, which yeah. I hate. And that's, so, not, like, and that's not silly though, to me. Yeah. Like, Cause that's you're right. It's not. It's not silly. You're right. Well, I I just like to like encourage you. Like that, to ask for that is not silly. That mm-hmm. is something that is raking the leaves. Is from I just think to myself of like when my house isn't put together. That's just another thing that's added to my plate of like right. Holy crap! I'm. It's stressed. one more thing to do. It's one more thing to do. Mm-hmm. So no, you're not silly for asking for someone to rake your lawn. Right. Right. But in the moment, I'm just like. And for us, anyway, and again, this is how me and Renee perceive stuff. Is like, well, that's kind of silly. We could do that, right? Because like we're we're just that's just how we think of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and what's I mean, what's what's cool too in this season is that people have thought of our daughter Allie as well, and she she gets the brunt a lot. She gets the the brunt of a lot of our you know sleepless nights, our hospital visits, our doctor visits therapy visits like she knows she's now five like she, she kind of understands a little bit more of what's going on um and so like i said before she kind of got dethroned when she had a baby brother to begin with and then add all this stuff on top of it it's like a different level of dethroning mm-hmm. and so all of our a lot of our attention goes to owen and his needs his therapy and so we do our best to like you know feed into her do daddy daughter dates mommy daughter dates um, and you know, give us give her as much of our attention as we can. But another way people have been helpful is like having their kids, if they have kids, draw pictures for Allie, hmm. like mail them to us, or like send her little gifts every once in a while, or pick her up and take her to ice cream, you know, whatever. Just one more thing to make her feel special has been really huge in a season where we wish we could do more of that. Um, and we're trying to get better at that every day, but we just can't. Like it's just not a normal family dynamic. If you know whatever normal is yeah. at this point, <laughs> yeah, and you you only have X amount of well twenty four hours mm-hmm. in a day, and Owen by necessity takes up a, he a takes large a of portion of that. He does, and yeah. so I, I can't. I don't think anybody, unless they're in your shoes, can empathize. I like to like understand how that feels. I think. Mm-hmm. Sympathy is one thing, and to be like, I feel sorry for you. Right. Uh, but for me to try to sit here and be like, dude, I get it. <laughs> like, no, you don't. No, no. Until, <laughs> no, I don't. Until you're in my shoes, which I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, like this, it's unfathomable. Um, and so, yeah, no, and I, no one, unless you're in my shoes or whoever's shoes in this season of epilepsy and infantile spasms, like, no one will ever fully get it, uh, which is okay. You don't need to fully get it. But you can empathize and you can say, hey, we're here. We're going to show up. We commit to helping you out in this way. Um, we don't have tons of time. Say, like, if it's someone who's um, preaching out, be like, hey, we don't have tons of time because we're busy too. And I get it. We're all busy. But, like, we have you know a little bit of time here and there. We can maybe stop by with this. 
is that is that where I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like, let's do it. Like, that's that's great. And that's just one more way that we're that we're seen. And it doesn't have to be like a grand gesture. Like, yeah. like we don't want someone to cook us a you know three course meal every week. That's just, that's just not what we need. We would never ask for that either. Um, but just small gestures are like ways that we are we can be seen um, through like those small little things. Yeah. Again, in my eyes, small. Um, but at the end of the day, another checklist, check mark off the list of things that we don't have to do. We can focus on something else. Yeah. That's huge. So good question. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I can't imagine. And so I, as I sit here and listen to you talk, I'm, I, it puts a different perspective for me because I have a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. Movies that never used to make me cry. Now all of a sudden I'm just like a puddle thinking about my daughter mm-hmm. and Gosh, like when movies, when got, when little girls are hurt or little boys are hurt, I'm like, and then you're living this. Um, how has, how as a dad, how has it been like from both sides, like seeing, seeing Allie respond to her brother one way. And then also being like, dude, this is so much something that as like a dad, like you have zero control of. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't do this to Owen, right? There's like you said, you were healthy. You guys didn't like drink. Renee didn't drink during your pregnancy. There's, right. it's not like alcohol, infant alcohol syndrome. It's not something that you did. It mm-hmm. just happened right. to your son. Like, how has that been in the context of like internal processing, but mm-hmm. also like. God, what the hell? Right. <laughs> like, how, I guess, how can you walk me through or like just, I guess, again, speak into this idea of like, you are honestly helpless in this. Like, mm-hmm. you, how has that been? Yeah. Um, great question. I mean, it is, it is literally soul destroying watching your kid have seizures and you not be able to do anything about it. Knowing that every single seizure episode, spasm, whatever you want to call it, he has is killing his brain. Um, And like you said, there's nothing that we did or that happened that created this. Now the infantile spasms can be caused by tons of different like ways. It could be stroke in utero. It could be, you know, Lack of oxygen during birth, you know, there's there's a, there is a myriad myriad of things that could help trigger this, I guess. Um, but as far as we know, none of that happened, and so for us, it's for sure out of the blue. Still is, even though it's been two years, and there's there's still no reason behind the why. There's no there's no answer, um, and so it, yeah, a great question. Um, it's the the processing goes through it ebbs and flows um like we are mad at god to, to be honest most of the time we're mad we're like why like how is this you like you say you're a good god we read in the scriptures you're a good god and we know deep down in our hearts that you're a good god but why is this happening 
like there's there's no we didn't like we didn't do anything our son didn't do anything our daughter didn't do anything like there's yeah. no reason for it and as far as we know god knows um and so we we've seen god work in this season in 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 different ways like he's protected us from different things happening um or like he he is He'll, he'll like orchestrate something to where like it works perfectly in our in our own plan, even though my son isn't healed, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like the whole surgery thing in LA, it went as smooth as it possibly could. You know, the the travel, the the operation, like everything went really well, even though we were a mess. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so like we saw God's hand in that. Um and people were praying for it. And we could tell we felt that. Yeah. Um and so there's some, there's always going to be, like, I, I'm a guy. And so, like, guys like to fix things. Like, they like, get our hands on stuff. Like, after we got back from the hospital, I, like, changed all the doorknobs in the house. Because I inherently needed to fix something myself. And I couldn't fix my son. So I had to fix something. So I, I like, I hit our door handles. Renee hates our door handles. So we changed them all out. Um we, we got back from the hospital and we were just like, you know, dead tired from the whole of the travel and the whole, you know, our adrenaline came down crashing after we got back. And um, so we rested for a while. Then I like, I worked on stuff because like I needed to do something to fix something. And so my inherent nature is to try to fix something. Even though, like you said, I can't, I can't fix my son. God can. And that's pretty much the only way he's going to get healed at this point is from a miracle. Um, and so like, that's the way I go when I when I'm trying to like when I'm in the mode of like okay I got I got to fix something I got to do something to make myself feel like I I did something because I'm doing all these therapies I'm doing all these hospital visits and we're doing all these things as a family and it seems like right now that nothing is working it seems like we're doing all this crap behind the scenes and like stuff's just getting worse and so we're we're at the point where like. Well, why? Like, why are we doing all this to like, and obviously we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep figuring stuff out. Um, but he's not getting better right now. And so we're, we're trying to, we're working on next steps with, with the neurologist, both sides, Denver and UCLA. And um, yeah, there's just, there's no like, all right, here's the magic drug that is going to make this work. We thought we did it, you know, two years ago. When we first got diagnosed, and it, it didn't work long term, um, and so we're trying to process through that of like, what's the future look like? Hmm. How how like what's his life expectancy at this point? Um, it's, it's just it's, it doesn't look good with kids that have this long term. Um, it could be lifelong disability. It could be premature death. It could be you name it. So we're we're at the point now where we're kind of like, is this our life? This can't this can't be it. Like there's so much more out there for us for life to be lived with us, our family, our daughter, who doesn't deserve this either to go through all this crap. Um, and so we're trying to trying to figure out ways to feed ourselves in the season. Um, trying to process through next steps, trying to process through the future, 
what a lot of, there's a lot of what ifs. Yeah. We're living in the in between right now because we don't know. And like all of us, we don't know what the future holds. Um, but we're trying to figure out like, well, if this happens with this medication, maybe this will happen. If this happens, if this doesn't work, we'll go with this one. Like there's just so many variables in play. Um, and like I said before, there's not one drug that's going to fix everything. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so th- I hope that answers that your no, question it, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot of processing. We There's a lot of nights where we're, we'll just both break down and, like, cry. And just, that's all you can do. Um, and so we, we never asked for this. We never expected this. We never thought we'd be parents of a kid with with a disability, and and who knows what I was just thinking yesterday. We we're trying to teach our daughter to ride her bike, and um, at, I mean, at this point with my son, I'd be stoked if he started crawling or sitting up. There's a, there's a chance he'll never walk or talk because of all this crap that's going on, even with all of our therapies. Um, there is obviously a chance that all this could happen and he, he could be healed and whatever. But the longer this goes on, um, the, the chances are just a lot lower. Um, and so I was, just, I was thinking, I was like, this is probably the last time I'm going to teach a kid to ride a bike. Which, as a father, kills me. As a father, I want to teach my kid to throw a ball. I want to teach him to play tennis. I played tennis in high school. I want, to play, I want him to play tennis. But at this point, I want him to just walk in the future. A crawl, like I said. Um, so who knows if that will ever happen. But we're going to work our asses off to give him the best possible fighting chance for that to happen. Yeah. You're a good dad, Mark. Not like you are. And I think you need to hear that because... Dude, you're doing stuff for your family that a lot of men are never even asked even remotely close to do. And you show up every day and you do it. And I just, I, I, I want to like just honor you for the dad that you are. Um, and for, and if I was in your shoes, <laughs> I I can't imagine the constant middle fingers that I would be holding to everybody, <laughs> but like right. to God and like, man, I, I can't, I get the fix it thing on a small scale. I understand that that's our, as men, that's our, but like, like to honor you and Renee in the way that you guys have fought for your marriage through this. Um, because I, the idea, I think societally, the idea of a man breaking down in front of his wife and crying is like considered weak. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that if you didn't do that, what would Renee's thoughts be of like, right? Like, does he care? <laughs> does he care? Right. Like, and you so obviously do. Um, and we're believing for Owen hard. And it's like, it's, it's so obvious sitting here 
across the table from you. And I wish maybe I start recording these things video because like your facial expressions speak volumes on their own. And I, I get to see that, but like there's pain there. And we talked a little earlier about like what were helpful things and you and I've actually talked about it, uh, front of house Mm -hmm. about how like, this is all consuming to you. Every thought you have is Owen. And if it's not Owen, it's Allie. But how is Owen affecting Allie? Right. Do you ever get a chance to just not talk about it or not think about it? Is there a time in your day where you get to take off like the, the weight on your shoulders or like the jacket that is infantile spasms? Like does, do you ever get to like shed that? Um, I don't, I don't think completely. No. Um, there we can, you know, try to do date nights together, husband and wife, um, which are very important. And we're right now not very good at it because we're, we're just in the season of like figuring out what's next. And, um, we're still in a season of, season of trauma. We still, but we, we have to figure out a better way to, to do more date nights, um, and have someone watch our kids which we have family, um, Renee's parents are close by, so they come up often and watch kids, which has been a huge blessing. Um, but it's never, it's never totally off your mind, if, if that's kind of what you're driving at. It's, it's, always, it's like this deep sadness that is almost always consuming your life, and it doesn't ever go away. Um, you can, like, I can put on a good face, like on... When I hang out with friends and coming over to my house, come, come, come over to your house um, and see people at church. Um, but like deep down inside, it's just, it tears you up every day. Um, there are times where I can try to get my mind off it as much as possible. Like actually going to work midweek, fixing stuff, programming lights, you know, whatever the case may be doing my job um, can be helpful for me. Um, Back when COVID was a thing, everything was shut down, I would mountain bike a good a few times a week. That was kind of like my escape. Usually early mornings, like I'm talking like 6 a.m. or earlier. Um, early mornings because there's no one else out there and it's cool and everyone's asleep in the house. So I could get out. Um, not so much anymore. But the, the thoughts never go away because I'm always, like I said before, I'm always wondering like what's next. What does the future look like for us as a family? What do our jobs look like? What does our daughter look like when she grows up? Um, how is she going to be affected by this? Like you said, how is she, how she going to be affected by Owen? How is she going to, um, hopefully our prayer for, for her is that she'll be able to empathize with other kids of, with disabilities. And be like, yeah, my kid had this, or my brother had this, I mean, like, I can. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Like that's our prayer for her is that she'll just have this like extra level hmm. of like empathy that other kids or even knowledge that like other kids might not have because they don't have this experience of having a special needs brother. Um. Anyway, side tangent. But yeah, there's there's never a, a true time where we're not really thinking about it. It's, it's always it's always consuming our mind in some way whether it's 100% or like 10% it's it's always there 
because it kind of has to be. Yeah. Like without us pushing every single day and getting up every single day, um, we we lose any we would lose. <laughs> um, and so we we have to just keep pushing um, the best we can. Hmm. So. So in that, like the fact that it is consuming and it is this ever present sadness. Are there things that people have done that were not helpful or like particularly like hurtful, even if it's unintentional, mm-hmm. like, like the best intentions can still result in pain for you. And totally. like, what does that, does anything come to mind when, when I ask you that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, people's intentions and their heart behind their questions are usually well-intended. Like there's usually like, we're, we're here for you. We're supportive. I'm going to say these words to you and hopefully you'll take it and you know, it'll brighten your day or whatever. And so I, I get like where it comes from. Um, but people have often um, said a few things to us. Um, like God gives special children to special people or God won't give you more than you can handle. And, and to me, like, first of all, the first one, like, does that mean that your kids aren't special? Like, what, what does that mean exactly? And if I'm special, I don't want to be special. Like, take back the special, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's just, again, this is my opinion of how I see things. Um, and then God won't give you more than you can handle, which I fundamentally dis- disagree with. I think he does give us more than we can handle. That's why we need him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, and it says in scripture too to like come to me when you're burdened. Come to me with your, with your thoughts, your questions. Your you can, and you can yell at me. He God can take the yelling. <laughs> He's yeah. a big boy. Um, so that I mean that's just whenever I hear that it's just, it's just kind of like it irks me a little bit. And I get it. Like I said before, I get the intention behind it. It's, there's no ill intent behind it. Um, well, and another thing too that comes to mind is when we enter a room, or um, whether no matter where we are, church, uh, which is usually the case in this scenario, um, if people don't say hi to hi to Owen or don't acknowledge him, um, and I get it, it can be awkward because he, he doesn't he won't respond back to you. He might not even look at you. He'll probably be looking away or maybe even sleeping, um, and so like. The easiest thing is like getting down on one knee if he's in a stroller and be like, hey, buddy, good to see you. So glad you're here. Like, love you. Look at your cool shirt, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which, again, he won't respond to. But like us as parents, um, may, it makes us feel seen. Going mm-hmm. back to earlier. Um, it may, like you wouldn't ignore my daughter walking into the room, most likely, unless you're just... A jerk. A jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, why should you, you know, ignore my kid who may not, who may not respond? And I get it, it's awkward. I was probably the same way when I was around um, kids with special needs or disabilities. I'm sure I was awkward. No, no doubt. But that's why we're talking now. Is like to get this out there. Is like you can still talk to kids with special yeah. needs, even though, even though they they may not respond. Um, but their parents are going to appreciate it. They're like. That was really cool. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. We now we now feel seen. Yeah. 
and I love your your verbiage or the the order of your words. Um, kids with special needs, like my son with special needs. It's not my special needs son or like my special like Owen is, and this is what you're kind of speaking to is like Owen is a human being right. who has special needs. Mm-hmm. Like he's not labeled with that, and I think that that's something that I've noticed talking with a lot of parents of kids with special needs is like they never they never switch that around it's always this is my kid this is my son Mm -hmm. and he has special needs um yeah yeah that that's like that is that's that's real like that's to me I, i i see that as an observer um even just sitting back in the green room and i'm sure sometimes like i'm guilty of it of saying hi to your wife and hi Renee I like that but a lot of times Owen is sleeping and I or he's laying there and I I don't and so I would like to apologize no (laughs) like (laughs) but like if you if you so now I want to kind of because of this so the whole idea behind this podcast I've kind of stumbled across the phrase of weaponizing testimonies um, because if you don't know, we're in a spiritual war, uh, every single day. Uh, and as men, we are soldiers in that war and your testimony that we're given is our weapon. Um, uh, we overcome, overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb is Jesus. And we've got nothing to do with that, but then the word of our testimony is what we're doing right mm-hmm. now. And we're weaponizing that. And so with that, like, what would be one thing that you could share with the world as a dad of of a boy with special needs to teach people who don't have a son with special needs? Like, like kind of what you just said, but, like, if you could come up with another, like, what do we need to know? Like, as someone who is not walking through your what you're walking through mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have a son with infantile spasms or a son with down syndrome or a daughter with down syndrome someone who is not living the life like you said of like what did we do like like how did how did this happen is that does that make sense is that kind of okay so like <laughs> what would be what would be then like if you could, you could share one piece of advice to someone in loving your family well, outside of the like a mindset or a, and maybe, maybe I'm not asking the question right. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I get what you're trying to drive at. Um... Like, how would you use what you've walked through? The How would you put purpose to the pain that you've walked through so that someone else who's walking through it, someone else who uh, that is not the race, let's say the Johnson family in Missouri, like is walking through something similar to you. Now you're speaking to the, the Mitch Parsons, to the Johnson family. Like, what would you say to me to be like, love them well this way? Um, show up and be there, be available. Um, friendship is based on a few things, proximity and availability. 
So if you make yourself available and you're close by, that's kind of a win-win. Um, I stole that from one of our best friends. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take that phrase and coin it. <laughs> um, but it's true. Um, I mean, it, it can go as simple as it could, a simple text. So like, hey, dude, pray for you today. Love you. And there has to be no strings attached um, to that even. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of going back to like the, the loving of the family piece. Um, and you can always, if they're willing, if the parent is willing, you can always ask deeper questions too. And if there's time for it, um, like, so like you can ask like, so how's your marriage? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like what's like, if, if they're comfortable sharing that kind of thing with, if it's a close friend situation or whatever, um, those are the questions that, um, the people in proximity can be there to help out with if they need to be, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. Um, and I just, like I said before, just keep reaching out, um, knowing that we're not forgotten because it, it, it is a lonely road, even though I know there's a lot of people out there praying for us, thinking about us. Um, it still feels lonely because like every night when you, every night when you lay down, like you, you have all these thoughts run through your head, right? That's when the devil does most of his work is when you're most vulnerable and there's nothing else going on. Um, and so like, that's where like, we're the kind of, like the most lonely I can't speak for Renee, but I'm guessing this is similar. Um, it's like, all right, well, that was one day down. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I guess, just showing up, making making yourself available and known. Um, we all have lives. We're all we're all busy. Um, we all do have jobs, kids. You know, you name it. Um, and then adding this on top of all that stuff, the normal, again, in quotes, normal families yeah. do. Um, it's just, it's living on a different level of stress than any human should. Um, hopefully, hopefully that helps. Yeah. And I think that that question, it really, it, it's hard to answer. I think it's one that you probably don't think about. And I, um, I wouldn't imagine you having a coined response for that because you probably do have at this point coined responses to a lot. A lot of, of things I do. <laughs> of people who are just asking because they want to know versus people who are asking who want to who actually like care. Yeah, it's it can be mostly at my job. Obviously at church, there's a lot of people who know me there. I've been around for a long time, and so um, and they know Owen. They know his story, at least a little bit of it. And so people ask randomly, you know, in passing, in the green room, auditorium, lobby, whatever. And so you can tell my level of either friendship with them or like how deep I'm willing to go by like what I tell them. Hmm. If it's someone in passing, we're like, yeah, you know, he's he's doing his thing. We're we're, we're doing it like we're very like surface level. Yeah. And then if it's someone like you or Jess or whoever who who really genuinely want, like we're friends and want to know and want to dig deeper. And have the time and availability, then like we, we'll dig, dig deeper and like talk more about the this the crap behind the curtain, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a thought when you were talking about how the enemy works between like when you're alone and when you're 
like got nothing else and it's mm-hmm. between your ears and it made me think to like and it's my brain works weird but like if you could if you could tell mark ray something three years ago not like a piece of advice maybe a piece of advice but like one thing hey blank what would that be Oof, good question. Um, I mean, love your wife. <laughs> like I, I love her to death. She takes a lot of the a lot of this, a lot of the therapies and appointments and scheduling and logistics. And um, she's feeling real heavy. A lot of the, a, a lot of this weight that she feels like she carries. Um, and so I try to obviously come alongside and do what I can. Um, but she's just better at logistics and planning and scheduling and all that stuff. So she does carry a lot of that weight. Um, and so I guess, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. But love your wife in a way that um, can help support her better. Um, because she inherently, as my wife is, she just intends, she tends to internalize things and Worst case scenario, and she's an Enneagram six. If you know the Enneagram, she jumps from A to B to C, and something bad has happened at C for D to happen, and then if yes. that happens, and she's already at G all the way down the line, like exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, more or less. Um, and in, in saying that too, like uh, I'm not sure where the statistic comes from, but special need parents of kids with disabilities tend like they're living in such a high stress environment um sleepless nights appointments like all the stuff i mentioned before um like the divorce rate among those parents of of disability or kids with disability um it's like 85 percent it's a very high divorce rate so we're not near that like that's not even on close to our radar um but that just goes to show you that number itself goes to show you like the intensity behind this situation. You're at war every day. Every single day. Internally. Like mm-hmm. between your ears, you have a freaking bomb going off every morning. Right. Um, that's well, I I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And so and that you kind of answered this question. This will be the last one, I promise. We're, I don't want to take up any more of your, your sleep because you don't get <laughs> a lot of it. Uh, if you could, and your last answer could be the answer for this. So if, if it is, then say, re- refer to previous question. <laughs> uh, but... A man who's not Mark Ray, what's one thing you say to him? Who he is getting ready or just found out. He's getting ready to walk into a season that you've experienced in the last two years. He's He is walking through it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one week behind you. So he's been walking through it for one year and how, tw- 10 months and 10 days, let's say. Mm-hmm. What would be one little nugget that you could just purpose to pain 
Yeah. Um, I mean, keep fighting, as cliche as it sounds. Um, every, every day is new. There's a new challenge. There's a new something. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could be the success story. Um, as a, as in my son is healed because X, Y, Z. Yeah. We're not there yet. Um, we're in, we're the story of in process. We're still in trauma, um, every single day. And so, um, I mean, if for, for some reason, I'm, uh, we're making it through barely by the skin of our teeth. We're still here. Um, we have had the negative thoughts. We've had the, like, what if this were all going away? What if we were all to go away? Like, what then? Would this make things better? Would this make things worse? Um, and so I can tell you from experience, we've, we've gone down that road. We've, we've obviously, me and my wife have talked um, about the future and talked about the present um, but we, at the end of the day, like all, all we have is tomorrow to look forward to. Um, and that will have its own challenges, obviously. Um, but then if you don't look down the road further, if you don't keep fighting, um, you don't look at XYZ drugs, you know, therapies, date nights, all the stuff that could be a potential for hindrance in the future, then you're going to be, um, in, in worse off, worse shape at the end of the day. That's really good. Well, Mark, thank you. Um, I'm honored that you're the first person to come on here and, and talk with me. I, I truly can't emphasize how much I like mean that, how honored I am. Truly, you are. Your story is powerful your words are powerful and the way that you live your life is powerful truly uh the way that you walk my shoulders would be habitually slouched if i and i i am not being self-deprecating in that i think most humans would be that way but you're not most humans and uh you are an amazing dude truly uh and so thank you I, I am fully expectant and believing that if one dude hears his podcast and gets something from it, then that's, that's why we do it. Right. And that's why we're doing it. And so thank you. Uh, I, I just, again, I thank you. And this has been really fun. It's been hard because even hearing stuff like it hurts to, it sucks to see my friend hurt, but it's been this conversation has been, there's going to be fruit from it. There's going to be a purpose for your pain. And so thank you. Uh, and I just, I love you, dude. Thanks, man. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the over a drink podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the over a drink podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoverdrinkpodcast.com 
and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then resend it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.